Welcome to our Pinini Vista Saratova. Beth, we are learning the Sikha about Rosh Hashanah when it starts on Shabbos. What do we do about shaykhar blowing? This year, there's no shaykhar blowing on Shabbos. What do we do? And if you listen to the recording before, understand that seems really strange considering where we're up to in history, etc., etc. What are we going to do? So, um, and we left off with the idea of really a deeper level of something being drawn down that's an even deeper level. So let's look into it a little bit because we're all concerned about the coming year and what's going to happen. And we certainly, if you listen to the last, the last recording, you understand that much of what, how the world is going to go and the year is going to go is based on the cipher blowing. So what in the world is going to be? We certainly need it to be a good year. So, we know that, on, and we're learning the mimer of Kavshin Lamed Beis, Lamed Gimel, of Erev Rosh Hashanah. <coughs> so we, we know. The, the fact that on Rosh Hashanah, what do you have to do? Arouse the Tainug in Hashem. Hashem has that pleasure, that, that Tainug, that pleasure in, in blowing, sorry, in creating the world. How do we arouse it? When he hears the shaifer blowing, it touches that place in him, so to speak, and arouses that place in him that that affects his 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 pleasure. It gives him this pleasure, this kind of in the in creation of the world. You know, you have to get exactly to that place, and the shaifer gets right to that place. Hashem feels yes, oh my goodness, yes, I want to create a world. With all the ramifications of why Hashem would want to have a world and us here. Which, that's for some other place. I'm assuming that um, there is a very famous mimer that we're always told about it whenever we have questions that uh, are too lengthy for the rabbis to answer. They always tell us to, lo- to learn Hemshech Kafresh Kamachvav, which, which um, was said by the Rebbe Rashad in 1906, and it's called Yantav uh, Shel Rosh Hashanah. It's about, it begins with it's many, 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 many hundreds, many, many pages, a few hundred pages, I think, and it begins with the concept of when Rosh Hashanah begins on Shabbos, and probably the whole Hemshech essentially discusses this issue, but visibly it looks like only the first half of the page. First half of the first page, and then goes into way deeper, deeper in Yom. So anybody who really wants to understand this in a deeper way, learn the Roshav Temshech Tafresh Tamaslav. So um, we understand from Tafresh Tamaslav <coughs> the way to reach that place in Hashem in which He experiences the time of the pleasure in creating the world, which is what we want Him to do this year. He hears the shaifa. And so, the truth is, the beginning of the creation was, at the beginning of the creation, when Hashem first created the world. Here's a, here's a good question. The very first time Hashem created the world, the six days of creation. Um, who got it going? Who blew Shaker? I never read about and there was a sound of the shaykhar. There was a sound of the shaykhar at Mount Tyra, the giving of the Tyra. But I never read about, there was this tremendous sound of the shaykhar, and then Hashem said, let there be light, and then created the world. Never read about it. 
So if in order to get Hashem to create the world, you need to hear Shaker. Didn't happen the first time, did it? Not that we know of, or not we think. And the fact is the creation of the world was a hamshaka. It was drawn down. It was created from within itself, miyatma. Meaning, looks like nobody blew Shaker the first time. Because through the arousal of Tainug above, now, that comes through us. In other words, it, since then, leave the first time of creation on the side. Ever since then, or, well, not even ever since then, ever since the giving of the Tyra. Once the giving of the Tyra happened, which was after two and a half thousand years, before 4 then Hashem said, there is a mitzvah. You celebrate something called Rosh Hashanah. And the mitzvah of the day of Rosh Hashanah is to blow Shaifer. So actually, <coughs> for the first two and a half thousand years, it doesn't look like anybody was blowing Shaifer, and certainly not the first time, to get the world going, to get Hashem, so to speak, experiencing the time of the pleasure of doing this. Okay. How did it, so, if he was able to do it the first time without Shifer, why does he need it now? But the fact is, the source of the Jew of Yisrael is an Atma. Okay? In other words, the very first time when he created the world, the creation, the desire for creation and the kindness of pleasure came from the essence of Hashem. Okay. And our source is from that same place of the essence of Hashem, Atmos. And the Tainug that comes down now, that we draw down now when we blow Shifer, is much higher than the Tainug that came from himself. Right? When he did it, when he did it himself, he got himself in the mood to create a world. And he had to get him, I mean, this sounds sacrilegious, so you have to be careful how I say it. But so to speak, imagine Hashem, so to speak, arousing his own pleasure at the, the experience, the the vision of creating the world. That's what he had to do. There was no one else there to do it. Maybe. So he did it himself. If he could do it himself the first time, well, for the first two and a half thousand years, you know, why do we need to do it now? And that's because the time that we draw down is higher than the one that he can draw down. That's experiencing the pleasure of the vision of the world that we arouse in him is more than he can do for him, more than he chooses to do for himself. Pretty amazing. It's almost like so to speak, Hashem is saying, I could do the whole thing myself. I mean, lahavdil, lahavdil, lahavdil. You know, everybody knows, you know, you feel a little silly, silly to go to the florist and choose stunning flowers and write on a card, I really so intensely appreciate you. Write it to yourself and then send it to yourself and then and pay for it and then the next day, Somebody comes to the door and you think, who's at the door? And you open the door and there's somebody, they say, and they have this bouquet of flowers. And, wow, it's so exciting. 
and you look at the card and, and it tells you, wow, I really, really appreciate you. It's amazing. And then you realize, wait, who wrote it? Oh. Eh. You know, I mean, it is a technique in healing and everybody says, well, you know, do, I'm sure that it's done a lot. Um, but you could see that somehow, somehow it's still different from, you know, okay, I knew it was a healing technique and the whole thing. I sent myself flowers and I told myself how much I appreciate myself. Good. But, you know, it's still nicer to have it from someone outside of myself. So, Lahabdil, Lahabdil. For Hashem to arouse in himself that pleasure in creating the world, it's still better if we do it for him. So, and that's what he's telling us. It's, not, it's almost like you could say, Hashem is saying, you know, now that I've got used to you creating in me this will for the world, to create the world, I'm not going back to when I did it for myself. I just don't want to go back. I mean, that's my, that's my thought, so to speak. I would assume that Hashem doesn't really want to go back to doing the whole thing for himself. So, again, uh-oh, this year, to be the most crucial year of all of history, world history, not just Jewish history. Um, usually we're thinking about what Jewish history is going to be like, but this year, everybody knows it's a very crucial year in world history. So, oh boy, is Hashem going to have to do it for himself the first day? Back to the old way? Are we going back 5,781 years, you know, to the, that old do-it-yourself DIY? Is this going to be another DIY Home Depot project by Hashem? Like, I don't know, do it myself. You know, do you think Hashem, God forbid, is saying, oh, wow, what was I thinking? When I made this year come out, start on Shabbos, oh my goodness, why didn't I plan the calendar a little better? Oh boy, I'm gonna have to do it myself of all years. This is, uh, what's gonna be with the elections? What's gonna be in the world? What's gonna be with the health situation in the world? Oh boy, what was I thinking when I planned it for Shabbos? Why didn't I make it start on a weekday? You think that's the case? No. No. Obviously not. Shem plans it on purpose and and plans it on purpose. So what's going on? So now this year that like Rosh Hashanah is coming out on Shabbos, or in general when Rosh Hashanah is coming out on Shabbos, that we said the the time of the pleasure that Hashem experiences comes from Shabbos, which has automatic time for Hashem. Shabbos mitzvah and of course you would think it looks like the mile of the time that comes what we accomplished is missing. Bad year to do that. Oh, no. We need all the help we can get. Hashem, what? Okay, don't worry. Obviously, there's a whole mimer to give us good news, not just to depress us. So, it's going to get into some really juicy stuff. You know, put on your seatbelt. So, even though in Rosh Hashanah, it starts on Shabbat, we do have the Avaita thing, Sukkay, Shifras, you know, we, we say all the words of Shifras as if we're blowing the Shifras in our Dabin. Yeah, okay, maybe that'll take care of it. You know, it's as good as blowing Shifras. Yeah, but the saying of Sukkim 
And the saying of these Pesukim is to bring down this Amshacha, to bring it out in a revealed way, what's being pulled down in a revealed way, what's being drawn down into this world. We say Pesukim in Tyre to, and in, um, in Domini to bring it out, to make it re- obvious. And here we go. As is explained in Hemshech Yantav Shal Rosh Hashanah Tafresh Remember I told you about it? Right? At the end, in anybody want to look it up? I think I'm going to look it up today. Page, Tuf, Kuf, Mem, Vav. In Hemshech Tafresh Samachav. I am going to look it up today. Page, Tuf, Kuf, Mem, Vav of this Hemshech. That's, that's quite towards the end of the, this long, long minor said in 1906, and incidentally, 1906, the Lubavitcher Rebbe had turned three years old. He was born in 1902. He had now had a Yiralaf Nissen, his son, three, four, five, and he was now of the age to begin learning Tyra, which means that the world had an upgrade. When the Nasi Adar has an upgrade, now begins to learn Tyra, and the whole world begins to learn Tyra, and that's probably why the Rebbe Rashab was able to say that minor not one minute before 1906. The upgrade hadn't been pulled down into the world. So 1906 is a huge upgrade year. Obviously, so was Tafshin on the days on the Gimel, on the Gimel, 1970. 273 was obviously, because this mimer was said, a huge upgrade year. And the other huge upgrade year is ding, 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 the one we are about to enter. Tafshin Samach Allah. 5780. Tafshin Pei Allah. 5781 is about to be a huge upgrade year. So, but going back to so let's look at what was said in 1906, as opposed to 2021. What was said then? Anybody wants to do the math from 1906 to 2021? I don't know. Um, I mean, I could, but I would have to stop. The that comes through the mitzvahs, when something is drawn down, when... Spiritual and godly light, godly light is brought down into the world through mitzvahs. You don't see it so much. Amazing things happen, but in general, in Golis, you don't get to see it yet. When do you get to see it? In Tyra. Tyra R. And I think that all of us learning here together can testify to that. You know, in other words, when you learn this stuff in Tyra, you feel like, oh my goodness, whoa, that's amazing. Whereas, you know, often when you're doing the mitzvah, unless you're very spiritually sensitive, you don't always feel that rush of, oh, my goodness, that's amazing. You feel like, okay, I did the mitzvah. Nice. So Tyra R is there's a very great light in Tyra. It's very visible, very tangible. You feel, wow, the upgrade. You have to be more spiritually sensitive to feel the upgrade when you do a mitzvah. So the mitzvah of the shaifer is something that, you're not going to feel so much. Hashem feels it. And therefore, since the Hamshach of Tainug, what's brought down, remember, this pleasure, this Tainug, that's brought down and aroused in Hashem, when we blow the Shaifer, 
In order for it to be palpable that you can feel it, you have to say those psukim of shifras in your davening. That brings it out. Boom! It's revealed. Wow, yeah. It's interesting, because maybe otherwise, I mean, although we do hear the shifras in the month of Elul, but obviously what the feeling of the shifras on, in the, on Rosh Hashanah um, we think it's just, well, of course, it's the shaker. But saying those psukim and having everybody say those psukim in davening brings it out and makes it more bright colors, visible, palpable, feel it, etc. And also in Hashem. So that's why in Rosh Hashanah, when it comes out on Shabbos, of course, we're allowed, we do say those psukim. Okay, that's something. Although, the bringing down of this Tainug actually comes from within itself. Because, we said, um, when Shabbos brings out that Tainug in Hashem, it's kind of up there. It's like spiritual. Up there. In order for it to come down here into this place where he's going to make the world, you need to say those psukim of shifras in Davin. Okay. And I guess they're Torah psukim. Right. So, since saying the psukim, what are you doing? You're just revealing what just happened. You're revealing something. A flow came down from above. When you say the psukim, you're just, you're just turning on the light. Oh, I didn't realize that was happening. You don't make it happen, you just kind of turn on the light, and suddenly what's being pulled down into the world is visible when you say the Tzvikim. The Hamshaka, Atma, what's being pulled down into the world, comes from Shabbos. So you have a two-part process. Shabbos just, boom, pulls down this Tainug of Hashem into the world, and arouses Tainug in Hashem, and, and we don't know. You know, like, you guys, how do you think Hashem's feeling? You think he has Tainug? I don't know. How would I know? I don't know. There's no way to know. How about if we say the psukim and the shifra? Yeah. Good. Why? Because then it'll, then we'll get to see what's going on. Okay, let's say them. So we say them, and there's more visibility that a level of tainuk has been revealed in him. And remember, once he feels that tainuk, he says, yes, I want to create a world for another year. So, um, um, but when Rosh Hashanah begins on Shabbos, we are still missing one crucial thing. You can't compare what's drawn down to us, to our efforts, to anything. Everything else pales in comparison. What we accomplish through our Avaida and our blowing shifer, it's still the top, top of the line. It's still the top of the line. So, what's going on? So Razal say the following in uh, in Gemara in Nida, Mashpim Tzadik. You know, here we are, we're born. The Malach comes along. He, we forget the entire thing. He, he, he gives us a little tap under the nose, makes that indentation, he gives us an oath, and says, "Be a Tzadik and don't be a Russia," and makes us forget. You know, well, why do you have to tell me that? Oh, forgot, you're going to be, you know, the whole prayer you've been learning for nine months in utero? Yeah, it's amazing. Well, you're going to be forgetting the whole thing. Oh, okay. So it's going to be harder, it's, it's 
quite easy when you have that whole Tyra just, you know, powerfully in your memory bank. So it's easy to be righteous. But we're going to make you forget the whole thing and give you a little sign under your nose that you've been caused to forget the whole thing. And we're going to say, now be righteous. Well, yeah. Without, you know, with the whole Tyra being a vague memory. Okay, well, you guys can relearn it, you know, but it's not going to be an automatic thing. So the Friedrich Rebbe says, in the name of the Semachtetic, that on the very first Rosh Hashanah, the very first Rosh Hashanah of his life, Tafkuf um, Nun, which is, oh boy, Tafkuf Nun, let me think. Okay, so in the year 1790, which was the birth year of the Semachtetic, the year that he was born, his very first Rosh Hashanah. Oh, the Semachtetic was born, yeah, did I get it right, Arab Rosh Hashanah? Yes? Oof. I think so. Um, and so his very first year, he said, he said the following. Okay, so sorry. So going back to this. So imagine, so the Semachtetic was born in, what did we say, the year 1790, era of Rosh Hashanah. So, uh, I don't know what time. We're not going to look it up now. So his very first Rosh Hashanah was that year, 1790. Um, actually, Tafkuf Nun, no, one second. Tafkuf, yeah, okay, something like that. It might have been 1791, or 1789. Maybe 1789. Okay, one of those. But in the year Tafkuf Nun, he was born a few hours before Rosh Hashanah. So being that here is, is it's his first Rosh Hashanah, and the Alter Rebbe, this was his grandson of the Alter Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe said at that time a drush um, for his for Rosh Hashanah for the birth of his grandson, Mashbim Arta Tehitzadik. This was what the Alter Rebbe spoke about in a minor when his new grandson was born. <laughs> the one who becomes a Semachtetic. <coughs> and said the whole thing. And then the Mashbim Oisatihitzadik became the first three chapters of the Sefer Atanya later on. Later on. So, you know, years later. So the question is, interesting, the question is, what is the connection between be a tzaddik and don't be a Russia and Rosh Hashanah? Of all things, the baby is born. He's going to, he will one day become the Semach tzaddik. He's born heir of Rosh Hashanah, that very first Rosh Hashanah. Hello? Heir of Rosh Hashanah. One second. One second. We just want to mute everybody. Hold on. Please. So again, coming back to, sorry. So again, coming back to this thing, interesting. Little baby is born, going to become a great Rebbe, going to do unbelievable things. But why? It's Rosh Hashanah, it's era of Rosh Hashanah, it's year 1789. 
why speak about be be righteous and don't be a you know speak about something creation of the year creation of the world Rosh Hashanah why be you know be a be a tzaddik be a tzaddik and don't be a Russia why why that so what's that all about so um because because it has everything to do with us this year. And it says in the the Alter Rebbe explains, that every single Jew is called Adam, and it's because the neshama of every single Jew has a part of the neshama of Adam Arisha. And therefore, it's understood that in Rosh Hashanah, when Adam Arisha was created, what is renewed, what happens every year, brand new, brand new? The neshama of Adam Arisha is brought down into his body every year, Rosh Hashanah. Adam Arishan is created, brought down into his body every year. Not just once, back then, every single year. Um, and Hashem blew into him, into his nostrils, the neshama of life. Hashem blew the neshama into Adam Arishan. It wasn't a one-time thing. Every single year in Rosh Hashanah, era of Rosh Hashanah, Adam Arishan is created. And, and, or rather, on Rosh Hashanah, sorry, on Rosh Hashanah, why is it Rosh Hashanah? Adam Arishan was created. We were created. We are brought to life. We are pulled down, the neshama is pulled down into a body. Hashem breathes the neshama into our nostrils, and boom, we come to being. So there's a lot more happening on Rosh Hashanah than just a new year and creation of the world. You also get to be created through the neshama of through Adam Arishan. He is created every year, so to speak, brand new. So are you, every year. And not, not in a way that the rest of the world is created, not in a way that Hashem speaks and He creates the trees and the birds and the flowers. And No. That's the difference between you and the rest of the world. The rest of the world, Hashem speaks and creates the world. For you, Hashem breathes the spirit of life, life into your nostrils. And you come to life. That happens every Rosh Hashanah. I mean, that happened to to, to Adam Arishan. And the fact that this happens brand new, renewed every single year, and you come from him, that's what's happening to you on some level. So it's your birthday. Rosh Hashanah is your birthday. And therefore, on your birthday, what should be said? If your spiritual father is going to say to you, Hi. Welcome to the world. Glad to have you. It's really great. It's going to be a totally different world with you in it. Totally different. Whatever has been in all of history until this moment was good. Nothing compared to the way it's going to be from now on with you in the world. But for you to activate that amazingness of what the world is going to step into, you need to, you need to think yourself up with be a tzaddik and don't be a Russia. Be here and stay consistent with what you were brought into the world to do, to create. Goodness, righteousness, the light of Torah, etc. So that's why on the era of Rosh Hashanah, and on, sorry, on Rosh Hashanah, the Alter Rebbe said this about his grandson, but really about each one of us. And so if you look at it, in the Medrash it speaks about, um, in the seventh month, um, the seventh is Shvi Shvua. Tishrei is the seventh month. Shvi Shvua, an oath. 
the first part of Tanya is talking about taking an oath. When you're born, you take an oath. Shri, Shvua. You take an oath. Yes, I will be righteous and not the opposite. Yes, I will. Yes, I will think myself up with my greatest potential and step into it and, dr- and draw the whole world into it. And later on, years later, the Tzamachtetic in concernment uh, and of the Tanya, which was obviously many years later after his birth, if he was born in, what we say, 1789, so when did he say these, you know, probably 30, 40 years later, he said this. Um, he spoke about this idea. He's the one through whom this idea of on Rosh Hashanah, take an oath, you are being born. And he was literally born. You are being born. Take an oath to step into your fullest potential as being the, the, the one who creates light in the world. Doesn't mean just, you know, be good, be righteous. Today, being good, being righteous doesn't just mean don't do anything wrong. That's from a million years ago. It means step into your true leadership and your true sphere of influence and keep stepping into a bigger circle and a bigger and a bigger and a bigger and a bigger. So we can, that's what it means. So we can say that in the seventh month, you know, Tishrei, there, it really means three things. Shvi, it's the seventh month. Shvi, also from the word Shvua, an oath, you take an oath. And, and Shvi from the word Saveya, satiated. In order to take on such an oath, you need to be given a lot of stuff to be able to do it. It's not simple. In the simplest sense, you know, in the, um, in, in the basic sense, it's not simple to be righteous all the time. But that's, yeah, you know, that's what we're talking about. It's even not simpler to keep stepping into a bigger sphere of influence and, and, and becoming a leader in a very focused, holy way a leader of light, a thought leader, and a lamplighter. It's not a simple thing to do, and to keep becoming a more intense lamplighter and it's new and varied and creative ways. You need to be satiated, surveyed with a whole bunch of good stuff from above. And all of that is happening. And that's why when it says the seventh month, when we go shaker, it's satiated with all good things, and we are satiated. As Rosh Hashanah comes, we are satiated. When we're born, on some level, it's our birthday. We are satiated at our birth with everything we need to be able to do this really lofty job. And this year, we need that satiation way more than any other year. Not just because, you know, it's getting crazier and crazier. Because that's just, that's the least of the issues. The bigger issue is that we're being called upon to be thought leaders this year way more than we were ever called upon to be before. Way more. It increases every year. And you see that all of technology is there to support us. You know, we were saying it for Brandon the other day, you know, the idea of being invisible and the receiver and this and that. And they said, but when we, you know, when we feel like, you know, I'm so invisible, I can't. So doing your blog, another podcast, another face, Facebook Live, there's nothing. There's nothing. Every, every, you know, every Tom, Dick, and Harry, like every, you know, anybody, everybody who feels like it is doing a Facebook Live five times a day. There's no one, you know, 
if you're politically correct. You do them as much as you want. You want to speak to the world? Go do a Facebook Live. Go do a podcast. Go send out a blog. Go do an Instagram thing. Go, you know, all that stuff. Create your own WhatsApp group, you know, send. Everybody's doing it. Because the time has come for us to step into a bigger and bigger and bigger sphere of influence, the lamplighters, as a lamplighter. So we're satiated, much be more so, we're satiated with everything we need, and the world is satiated to assist us in doing that. So when it says we're much be more so, he's Sadiq, when the author ever said that, in 1798, 1789, 1789, that was the year of the French Revolution. I did that in sixth grade, five causes of what? 1789? Huh, I think so. Wow, that's a lot. Go figure that. That was when, that, that was the whole thing with Napoleon. Okay, we'll have to look into that another time. So, um, case to learn is in sixth grade. So, when we're told, Mashkimo said, be righteous, and again, you know, pull in all those kaychas to step in, to become a thought leader. And the Temach Tzedek says, um, he's explaining, um, it means three things. Seven, the seventh month, Rosh Hashanah, satiated, and an oath. We're satiated, we take an oath in the seventh month. With the shaker. <coughs> and we're satiated with everything we need to be able to do it. So this idea of these three things, this idea of the seven, which is, you know, of, of mashbim, I say, means an oath, and you're satiated, and it's, in seven, it's seven. <coughs> it means because when you take an oath, <coughs> excuse me, when you take an oath, um, you you tie yourself up to something, right? I bind myself to this goal. I take on an oath that from now on I am going to A, B, C, D. I'm going to do this. I tie myself to that declaration, to that resolution. I tie myself to it. You know, the man, so to speak, takes off his gargle and ties and ties himself with it. A bunch of knots himself to that resolution. That's an oath. An oath is not just, I feel like I think I want to do this. An oath is much more intense. <coughs> it's a decision. It's an inner declaration. It's an inner resolve to do this thing. You tie yourself to it. Um, right now, when you're, when you're taking on the oath, you, you're, you didn't want to do it. So what do you need an oath for? I'm so motivated. Why do I need an oath? Because there may come a time when I'm not going to be so motivated or committed. Really? I said I wanted to do that. Remember when you said you wanted to, uh, you know, only eat salad three times a day and nothing else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you want to, then there comes a time that I said that. When you're standing at the sushi place, I, uh, like, and they have that fried, you know, whatever it's called, the fried sushi, and it's hot, and everybody's, you know, swallowing it. You know, I said I only want to eat salad. When did I say that? 
I said that. Are you sure? Right? So that's what an oath is for. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. I tied myself to that resolution. I mean, Lahavdol. When I take an oath, when we take an oath at our birth, we are going to become the thought leaders, the lamplighters of the world. There were moments when we said, we say, lamplighter, me. Bigger thought leader. Oh, please, give me a favor. I'm so tired. I just want to go to sleep. Right? <laughs> or, not in the mood. That's when the oath kicks in. Um, because then there's a time when your motivation is kicking in, like, yeah, I want to do it. And then there's a time when only the oath stands by your side and says, you committed yourself to that. I did, I know. Oh, boy. Right, 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 right. As explained in in Lakutitara. And so what happens? What is this thing with an oath? You 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 tie yourself to us, to the essence of it. Um, because you're talking, you, you tie your very essence to that thing that you, you take an oath for. You tie your etamanefish to it. Your etamanefish is higher than what you want. So, really, I said I was only going to eat salads. I really feel like eating sushi. But then there's something higher than I feel like eating sushi. There's my etamanefish. It's not always loud, but it's the most powerful thing I have. So sometimes, you know, excuse me, I always cite this example of being inside a um, flayship takeout place in Crown Heights and a person walked in, a non-Jewish person walked in off the street and he said, wow, sure does smell good in here. Wow. He said, do you have anything that's paltry and fat-free? Because I can't eat salt or fat. And they said, no, we don't. And he said, are you sure? And they said, no, we don't. And he said, oh, it's got to be. It really smells good in here. I really want to eat something from here. You know, he was really trying hard to make it work. And they were being very cooperative. They said, we don't have anything sultry or fat-free. You know, that's just the way it is. So, so you know, <laughs> that's it, right? His oath had to, his oath had to kick in. So, which is which is more more powerful? It's the strongest thing that he has, more than yeah, I sure want to eat, you know, some of those some of that greasy chicken. So, but why does the oath kick? Why is the oath so powerful? Because it comes from your etymonefish. Because an oath, where you connect your essence, and, um, it's higher than your desire, what you want. And the same thing above. That, um, as I said, binishmati bidatsmus. Remember that Hashem also takes an oath. And we on a spiritual level take an oath. Um, we're talking about the level of Atik, etc., a very high spiritual level. And Atik is the lowest level of Matil, which is higher than the source of the creation. Okay. Just let's trust each other then. We're talking about a very high level. We're not going to go into it. So if we are taking on this oath to be a Tzadik, and um, your Neshama said, yes, I want to be a Tzadik, even though is it, this is what your neshama wants, this is what your soul wants, but when it comes down into the body, it's like, I said that, I did, really, I said that I, uh, you sure you're, yeah, you, you heard me say it, really, yeah, it's possible that your physicality will say, 
What was I thinking when I took on that oath? And the source of the godly soul is in Tikkun, and the source of the animal soul is in Taihu. And Taihu is a much more active, heated, passionate place. So it's going to speak louder and scream louder like, yeah, eat the sushi, just go ahead, you know, eat that greasy chicken, forget the oath. So when your neshama, your soul, takes on to be a tzaddik, what's happening is, and we're going to see in a second what this has to do with the shaker. When your neshama takes on to be a tzaddik, the ending of this oath is you are pulling down from the source of, of your soul as it is rooted in the essence of our insight. Remember we always say, so where do you come from? Hi, where do you come from? Not England, France, Spain, Portugal, no. Asmus or Simpson. That's where we all come from. So the source of your neshama, as it's rooted in that place, Asmus or it's higher than Taihu and it's higher than Tikkun, and it really has the ability in the end to even overwhelm what your animal soul wants. Like, yeah, I want the sushi, I want the greasy chicken, I want to do this, this, and this, and yet. Your highest, highest, highest part of your soul says, hey, guys, I want the real thing. You know why I took on that oath? Because I knew at that moment that was the real thing. And I don't want any, anything to distract me from the real thing. And not only that, in the end, nothing will satisfy me other than the real thing. So I might as well just go for the real thing. That, that's, that's why... When you take on the oath, you do need to be saturated with the ability to do it because there are going to be enormous moments of, of weakness. And through the oath, which is drawing down the source of the, of the soul, the neshama, as its root is in Atmos Aritzais, it's like um, the source of a son who, he, where does he come from? From the brain of, the, of his father before he's, before he's conceived. And we are given, when we take on this oath, when we're born, kayach to the soul, as it is up there in spiritual worlds, like, like, like the son who's, before he's conceived, rooted in his father's brain. And, and to the neshama as it is down here in the body, we're given the ability to do what we need to do to step into our real potential, which is what we took the oath for. Because we sense that that moment, that's the real deal. It's the only thing we really want to do. Be a sadist, keep away from evil, and do good. And in this case, we're saying, as you know, in this generation, step into a circle and a bigger circle every year of being a thought leader, a harbinger of truth, a, a representative of truth. And we'll do a little bit more just to finish off. So what does this have to do with Rosh Hashanah? Remember we were saying when, when Rosh Hashanah comes out on Shabbos. So the Semach Sedek says, remember, he's the one for whom this whole concept was brought out about that we take an oath to be a Tzadik. So, um, you know, like how does this whole thing work? This, 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 um, this oath of the neshama over the body, etc. Um, you know, 
there, there, there are some challenges to it. The fact that we take on this oath, Rizal tell us, um, So we don't remember, we took a little pause, we don't remember where we left off. But the question is, you know, we're back to 1789. In 1789, the Samoctetic was born. At the same time, the French French Revolution had just begun. And what is that all about everything with Rosh Hashanah? You'll see in a minute. But the... There's much to say, and maybe I'll say it in the next recording, about this French Revolution that really was out to eradicate the deepest godly truth. And eradicate, ultimately, Hashem himself, and completely change the direction of history. It seemed very benign, you know, liberty, equality, fraternity, but it was not the liberty, equality, and fraternity of, of truth and holiness and terror. And it really was a very, very sinister um, plot so to speak, spiritual plot. And if not for the Alter Rebbe coming along and fighting with everything that he had, including ultimately in 1812, at the same time throwing his life into the battle, there's much to be said on this, but we won't now. There was something very powerful happening at that time. So remember, 1789, the French Revolution begins in May, the end of the summer, the the Samostatic is born. What happens? It's Rosh Hashanah. Samosthetic is born heir of Rosh Hashanah. And on that Rosh Hashanah, a few hours into the birth, you know, when the Samosthetic was a few hours old, his, his Zayda, the Altareva, said the Mimer, which ended up being the first three chapters of Tanya, Mashpim, Russia. And I think, as we said before, the speaking about the idea that when you're born, you're caused to take an oath, to not just be righteous, but step into your true mission, your true shlichus of being the representative of truth and the lamplighter in a bigger and a bigger and a bigger and bigger way as each day, week, month, year and generation moves forward into Geulah. That's your oath. So at that moment, when the Alter Rebbe, when the Semachetic was born, and that was clearly a pivotal moment spiritually in history, right in the middle of this beginning of the French Revolution, and the Alter Rebbe putting everything into this, and making Rosh Hashanah a day that ha- that has several things happening at the same time. Number one, we're crowning Hashem King. We're arousing in Hashem the desire and the pleasure of creating the world for another year, usually through Shaifer, which that's our question. And... It's also, it's mostly about Hashem and his desire to create the world. So it's about Hashem and his mission. And at the same time, it's also, Rosh Hashanah is on a lesser level about us and our mission. Because the world without us is not a world. So at the same time as Hashem is saying, arousing me the desire, the pleasure of creating the world with you in it and all the stuff that I'm going to give you to do, at the same time, you know, it's going to be a very colorful and tricky and very thorny world to be in. 1789 was, was not an easy time to be living when you were standing up for truth. I mean, the Alter Rebbe was the only one who understood. Among all Jewish leaders, everybody else wanted Napoleon to win. 
except for the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe understood that Napoleon promised riches to the Jewish people, honor, you know, easy life, spiritually completely disconnected. The Alter Rebbe said, no, no, spiritually totally disconnected. What's left? We're the lamplighters of the world. We become disconnected. What is there? What kind of future is there to the world? So this was a huge, pivotal moment in history. And boom, right in the middle of it. The Semach Tzedek is born. The Alter Rebbe says this mimer that became the first three chapters of the Tanya, which was printed some eight or so years later. And the Alter Rebbe began his own revolution. Of course, he began it at his birth, but really upgraded the revolution to to, to fight the battle of truth, which is, this is the battle that we're fighting today. The same battle, but much more into the battle that we're fighting today. And the question is, when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, why did this all happen around Rosh Hashanah? The Tanya began then. We were given this oath, and of course the word mashkim, I say, you're told to swear, it means it, an oath. And it means so they are satiated with the ability to fulfill that oath and seven in the seventh month. Adam Arishan has created the first day of the seventh month. We are part of him. We are born brand new. Created from nothing. Brand new every year, Rosh Hashanah. With that oath. With that infusion of ability to create Hashem's dwelling place down here. To give Hashem the impetus, the desire, the the the, the kindness of the vision of creating a, a, a new world, and us be fully doing our part in that new world and being part of that creation. A very complex, spiritually complex process. And so it's all this is all connected to this 1789, the Semachetic being born, the French Revolution, etc. Where we're up to now, I still haven't done the math between 1789 and 2021. Um, let's try. Okay, so it looks like it's about 231 years since that pivotal 1789. Um, whatever the Gematria of 231 is, from that 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 moment when the Semachetic came into the world and we were infused from now on with the ability to step into our mission. And our mission ultimately is to bring Hashem to create a world again of Geula, once and for all, and the ultimate purpose of creation. So it's all somehow connected. And somehow, when we come to this year, you know, 231, let's say, years later, if I got the math right, we still want to know why Rosh Hashanah is starting on a day when we will not be blowing the shaykhah. Or maybe we will be. Maybe we will be doing it in a higher way that you don't see someone having a shaykhah in his hand and actually hearing the sound of it that a much higher frequency will be called upon, which is what we're going to find out in the next one or two recordings, could be the next one, to find out. So, okay, why, why, why? What is it about this year? 
with all the oath and all the infusion of Kayach and all of that and being at the end of this whole revolution that began in 1789 even before that and, this, and you know, so many attempts to eradicate truth and Hashem and holiness. And here we are and it's crazier than ever. And culminating with, wow, these elections in the United States, which is the fight, uh, it's again the same thing. The fight of, you know, the battle of truth over, you know, trying to win over falsehood and all the craziness. I don't have to describe all the craziness. It's all culminating now. And we are being infused every single Rosh Hashanah. We're being born brand new, totally new people with the ability to win the battle. The same battle that Napoleon was trying to win, that the author said, no, 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 you will not win. I will win. Hashem will win. You will not win. Same battle now. You will not win. Hashem will win. This is the battle through Rosh Hashanah. And somehow to win that battle, we have to not actively hold the shaykh in our hands this year, at least on the first day, but rather going to be done with a much higher frequency, which we're going to find out in probably the next recording, and for sure not at one, then two. And may we not have to uh, wait till then, but we should have the Gulamitis Vashlem of the Rosh Hashanah that ushers in, you know, Tzkab for Gadol, it's going to be something amazing, right? Since the whole Geula comes in, Tzkab for Gadol, blow the great Shaifer, not the plain Shaifer that everybody blows in, sh- in Shul, not the two, but the, the great Shaifer. And sorry, and last thing is, when the Rebbe said in 1967, when they came to the, the Western Wall, and that miraculous six-day war was the beginning of the Shaifer Bevel, of the blowing of the Great Shaifer. It wasn't because somebody stood at the Western Wall at the Kaisal and blew the Shaifer, but the, the whole war and the whole victory and the whole spiritual arousal and the Balchiva movement that came out of that is, an exemplification of the blowing of the great shaker, which you don't necessarily hear with your ears, but you see it with your eyes. You see what's happening. May we have that great that great shaker, it's called the shaker guzzle. May we have it immediately now before we get to even finish the mimer and uh, find ourselves in the base of the immediately now.